If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on homes.com. As somebody who's been through this, I can tell you these features are so, so incredibly valuable. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools, and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. The area you live in is just as important as the house itself. You can get to know a neighborhood without ever setting foot in it. Say you're a really active person. You could find out about the nearest parks. Do they have a baseball field? Maybe you want to join a softball league like Chris and I play in. Also, Homes.com collaboration tools makes it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. High drive, center field, hit the wall, grand slam. This is magnificent. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. Yordan Alvarez has Outfield Eligibility Day. Welcome into Fantasy Baseball today on Thursday, June 17th. I am Frank Stample, joined by Scott White. Apologies for the super late start here on YouTube. I was actually drying up my tears for the past hour after Jacob deGrom got hurt again, Scott. (laughs) Is it ever anything but a super late start on YouTube? I guess not. You're right. Yeah. This is just normal. This is midday for us. Midday. It's, uh, it, it's 1227 Eastern time for those who aren't watching live and are listening the next morning. It's late. It's late night. The Mountain Dew's worn off. We need yeah. to get the show on the road, Frank. Let's get the show on the road. We will have a Jacob deGrom update right here at the top and a few other things on today's podcast. Of course, some mid-June standouts. We are at that point, halfway point of June. Uh, some rankings updates. Scott made some very aggressive moves that I'm excited to talk about. What is going on with Trevor Story? He just had a great game, but before that, his season has been kind of mess. So we will talk about that as well, Scott. But let's start things off with good old Jacob deGrom, who struck out eight of the nine batters that he faced. And then he left with right shoulder soreness. That is now three pretty major injuries that he's dealt with this season. And he's returned pretty soon from all of them. Uh, But that would include an oblique, Flexor tendonitis in his right elbow and now right shoulder soreness. So my question to you, Scott, is at what point do we just try and sell him based on his name value? <laughs> because all these injuries are building up and it's it's likely that you had DeGrom and Jack Flaherty or DeGrom and Shane, Be- well, not in Shane Bieber, uh, DeGrom and Tyler Glass now, something like that. Or uh, These injuries are just piling up and obviously he's got that name value. Best pitcher in baseball, we know that when he's on the mound, but just another injury that we're dealing with here, Scott. So would you entertain selling Jacob DeGrom while you can? No. Scott just no. rolled his eyes at me. He, he hated that question. <laughs> well, I, I mean, maybe maybe this is the time. This is the time it finally ends up being something serious that puts him on the IL for a long time. But like, 
It's just you, so you scary. Saying, you keep Scott. saying he keeps suffering these fairly serious injuries. They must not be fairly serious if he's coming back. And today he came back after leaving his last start with something that sounded kind of scary. He threw the next day. He, and he came back today. He struck out all eight batters he faced, averaging 99.6 on his fastball. And even prior to this year, DeGrom has a history of this. You know, he, he leaves with something looking totally dejected. And then they do imaging and he's fine. And, you know, a lot of people like to say the Mets, oh, that's the Mets training staff. They're not being careful enough with their star player. But like the other shoe would have dropped at some point if that was the case. I kind of wonder if if it's DeGrom himself. He's just really proactive when he feels something a little off. Uh, They did a strength test after removing him from this game and it came back fine. They're going to do imaging tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, it it doesn't make sense to put offers out there before the imaging, uh, because well, you're you're going you're going to either end up underselling him, or you know I I don't know maybe if it ends up something serious then maybe maybe it makes sense to do that. But I I just think the risk of giving him up for less than he's worth far outweighs the reward, especially since early indications are it's. It's probably not a big deal. I hear. Of course, every- I said that after Glass now got hurt, and you know we saw how that went. I hear everything you're saying, Scott. I will not dispute. He is the best pitcher on a per pitch per inning basis. That I don't know. I don't know if this is hyperbolic that I've ever seen. I mean, at least this season, the guy is absolutely ridiculous. But he's turning 33 in two days. June 19th is his birthday. I just saw that on Fangraphs. Actually, he's throwing the hardest he ever has in his career. He's averaging over 99 miles per hour, and these aren't just like, oh, he has a blister on his finger. This is <laughs> shoulder soreness for his right arm, his pitching arm. Well, yeah, but a, a blister is something demonstrative, you know? Like, everybody can see the blister on your finger. Uh, it, it was just an example. Shoulder Scott. soreness. <laughs> no, I. but no, my, my point is, like, the kinds it's of scary. things he leaves with. It's just scary, Scott. That, like, to me, it's the, like, at some point, oh, yeah, I feel it's, like it's, something bad is going to happen where he's going to have a lengthy IL absence based on, these are core injuries and injuries to his right arm, his pitching arm, that are yeah. pretty serious. Well, they, they could be, but they're pretty vague. And they've always been pretty vague. And my, my point is just that, yeah, it's, it's, it's scary. You keep waiting for the other shoe to drop. But I feel like it's been like that for three or four years with DeGrom, which is why I've always been kind of lower on him than the consensus, actually. Because... He, it just seems like the experience of rostering him in fantasy is pretty scary. And here we go again. Maybe I'm not, I, 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 I don't know what's going to happen this time. I want to stress that. Like maybe it is worse this time, but you know, we've been here half a dozen times before. <laughs> maybe I, I'm just not remembering it happening as frequently in, in past years. I know that it's happened for sure, but yeah. that has also come with him throwing, 200 plus innings in three straight seasons from 2017 to 2019. He still made 12 starts last year. He threw 68 innings last season. So it hasn't really affected his ability to give us a good amount of innings since the start of 2017. But I just feel like it's happening every single start now. So <laughs> it sounds like Scott does not want to sell low. And I it could come out tomorrow. Jacob DeGrom's perfectly fine. And I don't sell low. Like... I'm just saying well, if you can who's, sell... who's going to pay full price right now during this waiting period is the thing. Somebody might just because his name is Jacob DeGrom, right? The MVP chance. People know how good he is. He's having a historic season at this point already. I'm just saying if you can get 
a Jacob deGrom haul for him, I would float it out. I would float the idea out there because to me, this is scarier territory than than we have ever dealt with with Jacob deGrom. So I will just leave it at that. Uh, on the other hand, Garrett Cole, I feel like we should talk about these two in conjunction because uh, he made a start at the Blue Jays and it was a very good start. Eight innings, two runs, only four strikeouts, but still had 15 swinging strikes on 104 pitches. His fastball velocity was actually up a tad and the spin rates on his four-seam fastball and his slider were down right around 200 RPM and he was very dejected again after the game, post-game interview press conference. You know, he talking about uh, trying to figure something out with MLB as many other elite starting pitchers are. So it's very clear that he's stopped using whatever he was using, but it really hasn't affected him because back-to-back quality starts got uh, since he had that one bad outing against the Tampa Bay Rays. I still think Garrett Cole is fine. He's a top, I think he's probably the top pitcher right now just because he's completely healthy, but I don't know if there's anything else you want to add on Garrett Cole because people are concerned because of this whole foreign substance policy thing. Yeah, I mean, just reiterate what we've been saying. The spin rate continues to be down for him. He continues to maintain high whiff rates. I know he only struck out four in this start, but struck out nine last time, you know. So I think I think uh, the reduced spin rates will have a, str- a small effect on his effectiveness. I don't think they'll have a huge effect on his effectiveness, like going back, he's suddenly going to be who he was with the pirates or anything like that. But you know, the, the, the league as a whole is dealing with this and uh, we still don't know much. We still don't know much about how, of what, about what the impact is going to be. Yep. But at least with that, Garrett Cole is still pitching very well. So there you go. The two, I would say best starting pitchers in baseball. There's your update on DeGrom and Garrett Cole. Let's talk about some other players in baseball that are not from New York. Oh, my good goodness gracious. All right, Scott. Your standout from Wednesday. My standout, I'm going to go with Tyler, Tyler Malley of the Cincinnati Reds, who had his first double-digit strikeout effort of the season, went six innings, gave up one run on three hits, struck out 12. Very fine start. And um, what's notable, beyond just the stat line in this one, 19 whiffs. He had 19 whiffs. He had 14 in each of the previous two starts. So, you know, good good whiff totals, three starts in a row for Tyler Malley. And, of course, that's what we were expecting from him coming into this season. The entire month of May, six starts, he didn't have a single double-digit swinging strike start. It was... It never came up on the podcast, but I was starting to get a little concerned. <laughs> starting to get a little concerned. So relieved to see him put together three straight double-digit swinging strike efforts here to begin the month of June. Uh, it looked like the slider specifically, which was... It, that was kind of the, the the pitch that kind of brought together his whole arsenal last year, right? Yeah. And um, it, did, it, it seemed like it lost some of its bite in May, just looking at the numbers. But... You know, seems seems to have it working again. So Tyler Malley, hopefully stock up for him. Yes, and I looked at his last five starts, actually, Scott, since he got ripped back on uh, May 20th. I think he allowed seven runs over two innings pitched. He has a 2.16 ERA over his last five starts, Tyler Malley does, and specifically over his last three, which you talked about with the swinging strikes, he has gone six-plus innings in each of those. So I think you're right. I think he was dealing with something in May because he wasn't going deep into his starts. The control looked off. He was 
hitting a lot of batters, which I noticed, which was weird for him. He actually hit two batters in this start as well, but still wound up with the 12 strikeouts, 19 swinging strikes. Great performance there for Tyler Malley, who is just inside our top 40 starting pitchers ranked on the site, which you could, of course, find at cbssports.com slash fantasy slash baseball slash rankings. Lots of slashes in there. Scott, for me, I am going to highlight Ross Stripling, who is going up against my New York Yankees. And he had a career-high 18 swinging strikes in this start. Six and two-thirds, three hits, three runs. Two of those were earned. Uh, finished with nine strikeouts in this start. He had at least five swinging strikes on each of his four-seam fastball, his slider, and his changeup. And over his last five games, I say games because one of them was a relief appearance where he went seven innings, so that was interesting. Uh, But a 2.47 ERA with 29 strikeouts, over 29 and a third innings pitched for Ross Tripling, Scott. And I think that we can beat the waiver wire on this one. Even before your sleeper pitchers come out on tomorrow's podcast, Ross Tripling is 20% rostered. He has two starts next week. He's up against the Baltimore Orioles and at the Marlins. What do we think? Those are good matchups. He is on a good run here. I don't really think Ross Stripling is a thing again. No. I don't. Uh, Scott, we had him on I, the podcast. Come on, man. I know. It was, it, was, <laughs> it was a lovely conversation. He seems like a fine gentleman. Although, I will, I, I, I tweeted this out. He did have a play. Uh, I think it was Joe Panic at third base. Oh, he was so mean to him. I kind of panicked, uh, ironically enough, and rushed to throw. Is that what he was upset about? Is that what Stripling was upset about? He Stripling uh, panic rushed to throw to first base. They didn't have to, and so it ended up being a yeah. wild throw. Is that that was? Yeah, that's so. Yeah. That's what happened. <laughs> Stripling was very visibly upset. Remind. It took me back to my PE days when I I always seemed to not come through in the moment, and then my entire team would yell at me. So Scott, send me names, was, send me names, <laughs> send me numbers, addresses. I'll find these people for you. We'll handle them. Get the business going. I didn't there. play youth sports. <laughs> See, I think that was the problem. And you know, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So I don't think stripling is a thing again. Uh, if he can, like if this was the start of, you know, getting the 18 swinging strikes, if, if that is the start of something new for him, okay, we'll reassess. But it was only like a 10% whiff rate for the rest of that streak that you referred to, which was, you know, he was, he was more like a, a 12% swinging strike rate guy. Those good years with the Dodgers. Um, and obviously isn't getting the same kind of strikeout rate he had. Then I pointed out that the, the XFIP is high. The X ERA is even higher. It's near five. So uh, don't have a lot of, don't have a lot of trust in stripling yet. I'm sorry to say. All right. Last thing I'll add is on the season against right-handed pitching, the Baltimore Orioles have the worst weighted on base average in baseball. They are 30th, and the Miami Marlins are 22nd. I'll leave it at that, but I kind of like the matchups for Ross Stripling next week. Uh, The the other name I wanted to highlight was, excuse me if I am pronouncing this wrong, but I didn't catch any of the Twins and Mariners game on Wednesday, but Bailey Ober, who pitched against the Mariners for the Twins, four shutout innings with six strikeouts, one hit, and zero walks, Scott. He is widely available. Is there anything to see here with Bailey Ober? Maybe. Maybe he's very tall. I believe he's six eight. Big boy. And um, his minor league track record is pretty good. I mean, the reason he he didn't get much uh, 
uh, much traction in as as a as a prospect because he didn't throw very hard. Like his fastball was like eighty nine ish. Uh, it's more like ninety one, ninety two now. Um, but because of his size, and, and this was this contributed to his him being so effective in the minors as well. Because of his size, it uh, is re- he releases it so close to the plate that it appears much more effective. It, it it is much more effective than the velocity would have you believe. So it, between three levels in the minors two years ago, he had a .69 ERA, a .81 WHIP, eleven point four K per nine. So clearly a good control guy too with that that low whip. He had nine walks in 78 and two thirds innings. So yeah, nearly 80 innings two years ago, he had a 0.69 ERA in the minors at triple a this year was a 281 ERA, but still 21 strikeouts in 16 innings is pretty impressive. You know, I don't know that he'll be able to stick in the rotation for long. Pineda has been in and out with injuries. Uh, and I also don't know how likely he is to start going six plus innings. Like you need him to, for uh, for him to be a real asset in fantasy. But Bailey Ober's pretty interesting. I'm definitely keeping an eye on him. Yeah, interesting is a good way to describe him. He only had four swinging strikes in this start on 63 pitches. He's 4% rostered on CBS. And the minor league numbers, you pointed out 2019. Overall, they're pretty good. His entire minor league career, 2.41 ERA, 0.96 whip, 244 strikeouts in 197 and two-thirds innings pitched for Bailey Ober. So I don't think he's going to give you much volume, but definitely a name in AL only to pay attention to. Well, add him, obviously, in AL only. But if you play in 15-team Roto Leagues, maybe anything shallower, throw him on the scout team. That's what we'll do with uh, with Bailey Ober for now. And before we get to the news and notes, if you're watching us live on YouTube right now, Subscribe, hit that big old red subscribe button, tap the notification bell. You will get notified every time we go live or a video drops on the channel. We upload all of our FBT and five podcasts, the video version as well. And starting this Monday, June 21st, we will be doing a live Q&A exclusive to YouTube, another reason to subscribe, from 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and then we will come back later in the night for the podcast. So we're working double duty on Mondays. Moving forward, Q&A will answer your fantasy baseball questions, general baseball questions, questions about life, questions about pizza. Do you call it a regular slice? Do you call it a cheese slice? By the way, I put up a poll last night, and I got absolutely crushed, Scott. So uh, kudos to you. That wasn't a New York-only poll, because you said that was a New York thing. I, I, Colin, I, it just it just give me a regular. Yeah, that's give me a regular. That's the way I was raised. I don't know, man. We go to the pizzeria. We say, "Give me a regular," or "Give me a plain slice." We might say, right? Give me, oh, plain, plain. Yeah. Sorry, I, I said the wrong word. Plain, plain or regular. That's, plain. That's what I would say. But other I, uh, yeah. other people say cheese slice. I mean, that kind of a regular slice of pizza is a cheese slice, isn't it? That's what. Oh, that's ooh. what I think. I mean, I think I'd understand what you meant. <laughs> If you said regular slice, uh, but that's just not, it's a cheese pizza. Like like Kevin McAllister says, a plain cheese pizza just for me. Yeah, he's he's not a real New Yorker. Anyway, subscribe. Oh, wait, to- wait. He says both. He says a regular cheese pizza. He says a plain cheese pizza. Plain cheese pizza. Okay. Eh, whatever, man. We're not. No. He was, he was, he was trying, you know, they were trying to appeal to. A wider audience there. That's right. Anyway, subscribe to our YouTube channel and come hang out with us on Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Some news and notes we already mentioned, but Yordan Alvarez, I was very surprised to see 
that he has made five outfield appearances in the month of June alone. So maybe more are coming, but that means he will have outfield eligibility on CBS, Scott. And I'm going to put you on the spot in just a second and ask you where you're going to rank him in your outfield ranks. No, you're not. If you want to look that up, do it now. Uh, But he's batting 301 with nine homers. I was a little surprised to see the power was not where I thought it was for Alvarez. I don't have him anywhere, which... I don't know how that happened because I really liked him. Uh, he's got an 866 OPS. The quality of contact is down a little bit, but the weather heating up a little bit, foreign substances going away. I'm still pretty excited about Yordan Alvarez rest of season, Scott. So where is he going to slot into your outfield rankings? So I'm trying to see where he is in points per game because the strikeout rate's kind of high, right? It is, it, I think it's exactly where it was two years ago. It's like 25-ish percent. Oh, it's not but, bad. But what I notice is the walk rate is way down this year. So obviously that will affect him in points leagues. Yeah, so a 26% strikeout rate. Back in 2019, it was 25.5%, so negligible. But back in 2019, he had a 14% walk rate. This year, it is 5.2%. So that's kind of weird. Yeah. Uh, I'm thinking maybe 17th, 17th. Right, a- right ahead of Christian Yelich there. Does that sound too aggressive? That's, that's a pretty, pretty nice spot right there. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Right behind names like Trent Grisham and Cattell Marte and Jesse Winka, Kyle Tucker. Mm-hmm. I think that, yeah, that makes sense. I think he's definitely ahead of Austin Meadows and Mitch Hanniger and Trey Mancini and Jared Walsh and that whole group. Uh, we'll see what happens once Short Springer returns, but I think that's probably a similar range to be in. So, yeah, I think in the 15 to 20 outfielder range for Yordan Alvarez makes a lot of sense. So we will throw him into the rankings starting Thursday. Some other news and notes. Alex Bregman left Wednesday's game with a left quad injury, Scott, and... You said before we started that you, you think he's probably going to land on the IL. Pure speculation, but well, yeah. I mean, just the way <laughs> the way it looked, yeah, yeah. It, it seems like that's gonna that's gonna put him out for a little while. Someone else who's probably going to land on the IL is Josh Donaldson because he left with right calf tightness, which is the same calf that landed him on the IL earlier this season. So, oh, and in the past, this has been an old bugaboo, basically. Basically, every time he's gone on the IL the past few years, it's because of that that dastardly calf. Zach Allen will be activated and will start Thursday for the Diamondbacks against the Giants. He last pitched on May 7th before being sidelined with a right UCL sprain. In his most recent simulated game, Gallon only threw 46 pitches. So someone asked me on Twitter, Scott, what we think the pitch count might look like in his first start. 60 to 70 pitches, maybe? Yeah, maybe. Something like that. I would, especially given that the uh, the kind of injury he's coming back from, I would prefer to see him make a start before I activated him in fantasy. The Diamondbacks are about to break some kind of record, right? Da-da-da. I know that they are losing now against the Giants, and I think they are about to lose like 22 straight games on the road or something like that. 
So maybe Zach Allen can help him. Kyle Tucker, yes. Kyle Tucker yes. was placed on the COVID IL on Wednesday. He hasn't necessarily tested positive for the virus, but it's unclear when he is expected to rejoin the active roster. Corey Seager, dealing with a fractured right hand, is expected to hit in Arizona this weekend and begin his rehab assignment late next week. Jack Flaherty played very light catch on Wednesday, so step in the right direction. Cody Bellinger is hoping for a minimal stay on the IL. Gene Segura was placed on the IL with a left groin strain. Re-enter Brad Miller, who is batting 270 with six homers and three steals on the season, though the strikeouts have really inflated since uh, the early part of the season where he was performing quite well. Yohan Moncada, who's been dealing with an illness, is expected to return on Thursday. Adalberto Mondesi and Ramon Laureano each homered in their first game back, so a very Welcome sight there. Michael Conforto began a rehab assignment at AAA on Wednesday. Luke Voigt hopes to return to the Yankees on Tuesday next week. Carlos Carrasco has resumed his throwing program. He recently received a PRP injection to deal with some lingering pain in his right hamstring. George Springer said that he felt great after appearing in his first rehab game on Tuesday. So definitely can get him back. Um, a lot of people use a top 50 pick on him in fantasy. The Blue Jays lineup, you think they're scary now. Wow. If uh, if George Springer is healthy, that is... Uh, that you, you would think trade from excess and, and maybe try and acquire some starting pitching, though. Plus, pitch- Kevin Biggio looks like he's bouncing back. Yes, we will talk about like Kevin it. Biggio in just a little bit, but he hit a home run off of uh, Garrett Cole on Wednesday. Sonny Gray is likely to miss at least two more turns in the rotation. Mike Moustakis' rehab was shut down after he experienced renewed soreness in his heel. It's been quite the lost season for Mike Moustakis to this point. Uh, Ian Kennedy is back from the IL, and he allowed a home run in his return. So, All right, Ian Kennedy, bye-bye. Josh Spores as the uh, the closer there. Brady Singer was pulled after just three innings on Wednesday. He said he felt something in his shoulder after his last start, and apparently the Royals wanted to keep him on a pitch limit. Would have been nice to know that beforehand. Tucker Davidson, who was placed on the aisle with a forearm strain, will be shut down for 10 days before he is re-evaluated. And Scott, Kyle Muller has been promoted by the Atlanta Braves. Is there anything to see here? Well, I mean, he's pretty decent prospect baseball prospectus specifically likes him a lot they've had him around 60th in their preseason rankings the past couple years had 41 strikeouts and 31 in the third innings at triple a Gwinnett this year though with a lot of walks doesn't look like they doesn't look like they called him up to start though because he followed Ian Anderson today against the Red Sox and got a lot of swinging strikes on his 25 pitches I think it was eight swinging strikes on those 25 pitches but Gave up a couple runs, a few hits. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the plan is for him, but he, he pitched in relief today. Last few news items here. Ryan Weathers was demoted to triple A by the Padres. They plan to stretch him out as a starter in the minors. And Michael Kopech's return date is still unclear for the White Sox. Some mid-June standouts. And take a look at the leaders at each statistical category. And for batting average, Cedric Mullins. Entering Wednesday's action was batting 452 for the Baltimore Orioles, Scott. And I know that he has recently climbed inside your top 40 outfielders rest of season. It's been an awesome season for, for Mullins where he's lowered the strikeout rate. He's put together some power and speed. I don't know that he's going to keep this level of power up for the rest of the season, but hitting in Camden Yards definitely helps. Yeah, I mean, I question the batting average most of all 
Um, you, you look at the expected stats, and he's greatly outperforming those. I wonder if he's going to lose 50 points in batting average. But he's running a lot. He's hitting for more power than we previously thought he had. If he like, if he's a 2020 guy who hits 270, that's going to be a must-start outfielder still. So I have my doubts about him sustaining quite the level he's performed at so far. But overall, I am I'm coming around to Cedric Mullins, and uh, I actually have him 34th in my outfield rankings. He said top 40. It's actually 34th. And his BABIP is high this year. It's at 374. It was 350 last year. I really like the distribution of his batted ball data. 21% line drive rate, 40% ground balls, 40% fly balls. It's very balanced. And he's really cut down on the pop-ups, the infield fly balls. 5% this year. Uh, Every other season, it was up over 21% last year. It was 25%. So... He's just making more solid contact, and even if he hit 270 the rest of the way, Scott, that would mean his batting average probably finishes somewhere around like 280, 285 with his power-speed combination. That's a great year for Cedric Mullins, so he's he's been a very uh, welcome surprise here. A few other standouts in terms of batting average. Nelson Cruz is hitting 417 in the month of June with three home runs. I was getting a little worried there for a second with Nelson Cruz because he was banged up and he was hitting a lot of ground balls, but seems like he's bouncing back here in June, so really like to see that. The other name here, Scott, Max Stassi, who is hitting 389 with four home runs in June, and we've talked about him quite a bit, but his roster rate still remains uh, very low, Scott. So if you are in need of a catcher in a one-catcher league, he's 40% rostered. I feel like that number should be higher. Yeah, I agree. I'd rather take a chance on the guy who is blazing hot at the plate after looking like he broke out last year it was only a 30 it was only a 30 game sample for him but looked like he broke through and he's red hot now and you know there are probably just five irreplaceable catchers maybe seven if you include Gary Sanchez and Omar Narvaez it's possible somebody might want to include Yadi or Molina but I don't think I would so you know even like a 12 12 team, one catcher league. I kind of, I'm kind of fine just chasing the hot hand if I'm, if I'm one of those people who doesn't have, uh, you know, those top five to seven catchers. Would you drop someone like Carson Kelly or Christian Vasquez for Max Stassi in a one catcher league? Vasquez, I'd be fine with Kelly. Yeah, I, I should have mentioned him. He's, he's been, yeah, he's, he's been down. pretty bad since coming back from the IL, but I'm still intrigued by him. So they're they're probably about at the same level. I might stick with Kelly. All right. In the 14-team For the People podcast league, I just dropped Sean Murphy for Max Stassi over the weekend. So that's a move yeah. I would also endorse making. Your home run leader for the month of June. I updated this. I skewed this a little bit to include today's action because we got to talk about Jose Altuve, who just hit his eighth home run in June. And wait for it. Scott moved him to his number one second baseman in fantasy baseball in both head-to-head points and in Roto. Scott, explain yourself. I don't think I should have to. (laughs) Doesn't he look like Jose Altuve again? I mean, he's not the base-stealing Jose Altuve, but he's at least 2019 Jose Altuve when he set a career high with 31 homers, I believe it was, uh, hitting for average again. Last year looks like a total aberration. Meanwhile, you got... 
Whit Merrifield nursing a sub 700 OPS and Ozzy Albies has been pretty good since April, but you know, he's, he's not a really a standout at any particular thing. Uh, Cattell Marte batting average is still high, but since coming back from the IL, he hasn't really set the world on fire. Uh, Marcus Simeon has a, has an argument to be number one. I, I have him fifth behind those other guys I mentioned because he's greatly outperforming his expected stats too. I'm not saying he's going to regress all the way to them, obviously, or else I want to have him fifth, but it does uh, it does make me wonder if he's performing over his head a bit. So, yeah, I think process of elimination, basically. Altuve has to be number one for me. Why do you disagree, Frank? That's really what we should be asking. Oh, I just wanted to hear your analysis, so I, okay. <laughs> I was playing devil's advocate, but... In points leagues, I can get behind it. He was averaging 3.7 fantasy points per game entering Wednesday and then obviously hit two more home runs, so that number is only going to go up. In Roto, I think I favor the steals a little bit more still with Whitmerryfield. I hear you on the OPS. Uh, the batting average, he, he's had a couple of multi-hit games recently, so he's back over 270. Not going to give you much power, but the steals advantage that Whitmerryfield gives you uh, in Roto, I, I think I would still favor him. And Ozzy Albies has stolen a good amount of bases this year as well. So um, just because of the seals, Altuve only has two this year. I don't think he's going to run very much anymore. But yeah, I think he's easily top three second baseman uh, in Roto. And I'm okay with him being number one in head-to-head points leagues. The other name who's hitting a ton of home runs in June, Salvador Perez. He hit his seventh home run in June on Wednesday. And he he now has 17 home runs overall, which is crazy from the catcher position. He's batting 328 uh, with a 1095 OPS in June as well. So Salvador Perez is red hot. Looks like he's carrying over what he did from last year. And I think that year off in 2019 has helped Salvador Perez basically reinvigorate his career. So I'm not going to argue that he needs to be ahead of JT Real Muto, but he is just very clearly the number two I mean, there's a case to be made. Yeah, I mean, if if you just want power and batting average and you don't really care about steals, then... Well, I mean, you could make the case. We're, we're talking about pretty insignificant number from Real Muto. Uh, he does have what four steals so far, but he's—it's not like he's ever been a double-digit steal guy. Yeah, I, I think it's close. I mean, Real Muto's only hit six home runs. You know, I, I, I'm expecting Perez to get a little worse from this point forward, and Real Muto to get a little better. But it's—I I think they're the clear one and two at the position now. Yes, for in some sure. order. For sure. Uh, the RBI leader entering Wednesday was Anthony Rendon with 16, and he was batting 313 in June as well. He's missed a few games recently here with this triceps injury. Scott, real quick, do you still endorse trying to buy low on Anthony Rendon or age catching up to him, dealing with these nagging injuries? What do you think? So I finally moved him down quite a bit. I have him ninth in my at third base rest of season, um, which is ahead of like, Brian Hayes, Isaiah Kiner Falefa. But it's you know, it's it's behind somebody like Max Muncie, who's currently on the IL. It just depends how low you're buying, I guess. Uh I I I wouldn't give up anything that r- it would really hurt to give up <laughs> to get Rendon. I don't see myself doing that right now. All right, your stolen base leader was Ronald Acuna. It still is, actually. He has seven steals. Uh, but Tommy Pham is a close second. He has five steals, 
And he went one for four with a walk and two runs scored on Wednesday. And he is batting 318 with two homers as well uh, to go along with those steals in the month of June. He's 80% rostered, so might still be laying around there in some shallower leagues. Uh, but someone asked me on Twitter, Scott, why don't we have Tommy Pham inside of our top 40 outfielders? And I didn't really have a good answer. So I kind of feel like I need to move him inside my top 40. Yeah, let me see if I can find an answer because I might, you know, I've been pretty high on Pham lately. I'm 45th. Tommy Pham has also let off 19 of the last 20 games that he's played for what's supposed to be one of the best lineups in baseball, though the Padres are struggling here in the month of June. Did you give this stat here? Let me see what you had here in the notes. What is I wasn't that? listening to you, Frank, basically. It's my giveaway. <laughs> um, so 24 games prior to today, prior to Wednesday, 321 batting average, four home runs, eight steals, a 452 on base percentage. Yeah, that's he's been, awesome. He's been straight fire since fire. May 19th. Let's see. Who do I have ahead of him? I Tyler O'Neill. I can get him inside the top 40. I mean, I have, yeah, I mean, I could too. I have Joey Gallo right at 40. Alex yeah, Kirilov. I don't know what to do with Gallo. I, the Pirates guys I do struggle with because I like Brian Reynolds and Adam Frazier quite a bit. It's They're boring, but they get the job done. Uh, Fam probably has a little bit more upside than each of them, so... I'm all right I can, doing that. I can move Fam. I have him 45th. I can move him up as high to, as 35th, I think, right behind Cedric Mullins there. It's, I, it's, it's arguable. Yeah. In Roto, I think I would still take Tyler O'Neill In a points league, I would take Tommy Fam. Will Myers, I have to move way down because the guy just looks absolutely lost this season. But there you go. Random person on Twitter. We're going to get Tommy Fam inside of our top 40 outfielders. Let's just look at some pitching stuff from June and... 11 starting pitchers, Scott, have an XFIP below three. And a few that I wanted to highlight here, Robbie Ray, Marcus Stroman, Pablo Lopez, Aaron Savale, who just as soon as Scott moves him inside of his top 30 starting pitchers, puts up a clunker against the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, Framber Valdez, Austin Gomber, and Frankie Montas. So again, that group, they all have an XFIP below three in the month of June. And they've either made two starts or three starts. So it's obviously a very small sample size. But... Um, do they still? <laughs> Savale specifically? Yeah, he might not after the start of the Nets day. So it's, that's <laughs> not updated at this point. Uh, Scott, have you come around more on Pablo Lopez? I know that you know, you've always kind of been skeptical. You don't think he has much upside on him. I think he's reliable. I think he's Jose Barrios-like. I don't think, I don't think he's ever going to be contending for a Cy Young Award or anything like that. So I have Savale 27th, Pablo Lopez 28th, a lot of that was just dragging out other guys like Ian Anderson, like Charlie Morton, who it was overdue to move down. Hyunjin Ryu, I moved behind them because he's looking, he's looking pretty, pretty ordinary of late. Uh, Zach Allen with, you know, Zach Allen might move back up. We'll see how he does on Thursday. Blake Snell obviously moved him way down. So, you know, it just kept moving those other guys up, guys like Savale and Lopez, who I think are I think are part of the middle class at the position, but the middle class is uh is moving on up. Moving, moving on, on up in the world. As yep. they should. And specifically Robbie Ray, who leads all starting pitchers with thirty two strikeouts, or at least the last time that I looked, that's before Updated numbers here. Uh, but Robbie Ray, Scott, you moved up to SP30. I have him at SP31. Chris has him at SP28. So 
Very excited about Robbie Ray, as we should. Looks like a completely different pitcher this year. The other thing I wanted to mention was the saves leaders. Craig Kimbrell has six in June. Uh, Josh Hader and Liam Hendricks each have five. And I did want to point out that normally, in years past, paying up for the elite tier of closers, elite tier, right, if they don't lose their job, uh, has been very, what's the opposite of profitable? I don't know. Not profitable? I don't know what the word that I'm looking for there is. But it it has not been great uh, doing that the past couple of years. Josh Hader and Liam Hendricks have been great this year. And they have basically paid off where you drafted them. So I just did want to highlight oh, Chad, that. And Chapman, too. Yeah, Chapman for sure. Uh, Edwin Diaz has looked really good as of late. Picked up his 14th save on Wednesday. So, yeah, along with Craig Kimbrell, who's just been, wow, otherworldly. A few other June standouts that I wanted to highlight. Matt Olson went three for four with a run and an RBI. On Wednesday, he's batting 431 with five home runs in the month of June. Scott, you moved Matt Olson up to your number three first baseman. Yeah, if he's going to strike out 17% of the time without any, without his power being compromised, I, I, I don't know. I find it hard, hard to argue against that. I, I also made the notable move of Freddie Freeman no longer my number one first baseman. Vladimir Guerrero is ahead of him. So rest of the season, I... At first base, I go Guerrero one, Freeman two, Olsen three, Bellinger still hanging in there at number four. But who deserves that number three spot over Olsen? Not not Abreu. I mean, Bray was better than May than April, but I'd rather have Olsen. DJ LeMay, he was obviously out of that mix now. You got Jared Walsh kind of up there, Yuli Gurriel kind of up there, Trey Mancini in that discussion. Uh, oh, I see you have Chris Bryant third at first base. Eh, I didn't notice he got first base eligibility. That's that's there, There's a case to be made there. Maybe go Bryant instead of Olsen, but I think they're neck and neck. Yeah. No, I think, yeah, that makes a lot of sense to have them both inside the top five. Matt Olsen's having an awesome year. He's crushing left-handed pitching as well. Uh, Josh Bell went two for three with his ninth home run on... Oh, wait, do I have it loaded up? Let's see. Yes, I do! <laughs> Josh Bell, uh, in the month of June, super small sample size, I think it's only 13 games, he's batting 282 with an 887 OPS and a 29% line drive rate. The ground balls are still right around 50%, so I don't love that. But I would say since like mid-May, Josh Bell has looked better. He's not 2019 Josh Bell. Still not good, yeah. <laughs> but better. I'm trying to make the case for him, Scott, because I have him on my NFBC main event team and I... I just want him to be good so bad. Oh, I want him to be good so bad, too. The super shredder. But he is playing better in June, so I thought I would highlight that, as is Gary Sanchez, who came up as a pinch hitter in the seventh inning on Wednesday and go and hits a go-ahead two-run home run, his 10th home run of the season. He's now batting 320 with four home runs over his last 15 games. Scott, if you play in a one-catcher league, is Gary Sanchez a priority add? I think he's right around 83% rostered, so still might be available. Yeah, uh, as I mentioned, um, the five catchers that I said were irreplaceable, I I didn't have him in that group, but if you expanded it to seven, he was in that group. So he's he's definitely seems on the right track, and the playing time, it's back. He's he's clearly their number one catcher again in terms of playing time. You know who else looks like he's back? That would be Jorge Polanco, who is batting three oh two with four home runs so far this month. He's eighty one percent rostered, so still might be out there. 
in some shallower leagues. And Scott, I wanted to ask you, who has the most upside of this group? And they've all either been really good recently or for the entirety of this month. Jonathan Scope, CJ Crone has now homered in two of his last three games. There you go. He's finally paying off as one of your sleeper hitters. Finally. Gosh. Dominic Smith went one for three with another home run, his sixth home run. He's His average exit velocity is up in the month of June. It's to the same point that it was last year. So I don't know. I think something's happening here with Dom Smith. He's 62% rostered. Uh, Ryan Mountcastle. You can tell, like, the players that I have that I have endorsed, I talk them up more because I want them to be good. That's probably a flaw in my analysis. But he is playing better as of late, uh, as is Ryan Mountcastle, who in the month of June is batting 333, OPS over 1,000, four homers, 15 RBI. The strikeout rate is down to a 27% rate, which is much more manageable. And then Brandon Belt, who's been very good over his past couple of games, Scott. So Scope, Crone, Dom Smith, Mountcastle, Brandon Belt, Rank them in order of most upside to least. Well, in terms of upside, I think I still have to go Dominic Smith number one, not as confident in him meeting it anymore. Um, Number two, CJ Crone, given where he plays his home games. I'll go Mount Castle three. Did you have have Brandon Belton here too, right? Yes. Brandon Belt four, Scope five. You just don't like Jonathan Scope. It's not going to happen. Well, I mean, he's... He's a guy who hits 20 to 25 homers and not anything else. That that doesn't seem like high upside to me. I don't I'm just saying maybe he's turning back the clocks here, Scott. Maybe he's getting back to that hitter he was. I don't know. It was just one random year. I think it was like 2018 or 2017 where he was awesome. Yeah. Uh, last 33 games for Jonathan Scope, 348 batting average with nine home runs. The average exit velocity way up. Right around 92 miles per hour for Jonathan Scope. So Got to show him some love here on the podcast. We got to take a, a break. I realize I haven't done that yet. So before we do that, just a reminder, subscribe to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5. That's our five-minute podcast. Scott or Chris and myself, we do it every weekday here. We talk about a lot of the same things that we do on here, just in a really condensed version. So FBT in 5, make sure to subscribe to that podcast. We're going to take a quick break. When we return, we're going to recap the rest of Wednesday's action. I have a few more things from Scott's rankings that I want to point out. We'll do that next here on Fantasy Baseball Today. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. All right, so let's tear apart Scott's rankings. Not really, though. Dylan Cease, I know you like him, Scott. You moved him up to SP29. 
It seems, yeah. it seems kind of crazy. <laughs> I don't know. No lies detected. Why, why does it seem crazy? Why? Uh, I guess everyone else. I guess everyone else in that range is not great. He has a 338 ERA. Yeah. Frank. Maybe I'm not giving him uh, enough credit. The whip is kind of high. But, you know, his numbers basically April 29th on. We saw the spin rate ratchet up. We've seen the whiffs ratchet up. Uh, and, and from that point on, let me see if I can calculate the whip here real quick because baseball reference doesn't do that. But last nine starts, a 310 ERA for Dylan Cease. And the whip during that time, it's going to shock you, Frank. It's going to be low. One, one, one. That is very good. You know, like 17% swinging strike rate. <laughs> That's insane. 17% swinging strike rate in those nine starts. Uh, the K per nine is 11.9. Come on. All right. You're on, making, don't act like I'm a weirdo. You're making a good you're case. Weirdo. You're making a good case for it. I would, I would still have Robbie Ray ahead of him. I like what I've seen from Robbie Ray more. I, I'm surprised you don't have Framber Valdez higher than you do. You have him at SP35, and I know you loved him before the injury, so he's been he's been awesome since he's returned. He's got like a 75% yeah, he has, ground ball but he's rate. not gonna be he's not going to be a guy who gives 11, 12K per nine the way Cease and, and Ray are. True. And I think still can. But I, you know, I, I, I questioned myself also having Framber Valdez only 35th because... I have Ryu ahead of him still. I talked about moving Ryu down. I have Luis Castillo ahead of him still with the turnaround. You know, I, I could go as high as 31 probably for Framber Valdez. And maybe if his if his next start is as good as the last three were, I will. Oh, right. A few others that you moved down. You mentioned Hyunjin Ryu. Down to 32. I, I still have him ranked inside my top 20 starting pitchers. I probably need to move him down a little bit. He's... Not pitched as well in the month of June. His last three starts, the walks are up. He has had some tough matchups. It was the Astros, the White Sox, and the Yankees. So, Because I was looking into him and I was trying to figure out what's going on with him, but the whiffs have been down a little bit. I think those matchups have really factored into what's going on with him. So I still trust him a lot as like a borderline SP2, SP3. Blake Snell, the other one, Scott, you moved him down to SP39, and I guess you can argue that he should be even lower than that after his start on Wednesday. It was at Coors Field, so I don't know. You want to give him a pass, sure, whatever. Three and a third, nine hits, seven earned runs, 5.72 ERA, 1.57 whip, 5.4 walks per nine, 20% home run to fly ball ratio. Just tell me when I could stop. When I, you know, when do, what do we do? Try, just bench him? He still started in 68% of CBS leagues. That means 68% of people who play in our, uh, our site, Scott, did mm-hmm. not get the memo to not start Blake Snell in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he's a matchups play at this point. And even prior to today's start, which was awful, and it was Coors Field, okay, so you kind of give him a pass for that. But last 47 starts prior today. So a season and a half, 47 starts. It, it really covered a three-season span. But, you know, obviously last year was short. There were some injuries along the way. 47 starts over the past three years. A 4.23 ERA, a 1.31 WHIP. The K per nine is great. K per nine is 12.3. But in addition to having that bad ERA and WHIP, two quality starts that whole time, or I guess there was probably more in 2019. But he has two quality starts many. this season. So 
Right. Well, yeah, he for, didn't have any last season. For what it's worth. He had he did have a few in 2019. But the point is, it's he rarely goes the minimum required for a quality starts with a bad ERA, with a bad whip. I mean, he's kind of what Robbie Ray used to be, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's Which, fair. And like his control has always been questionable, but the walks per nine are over five. So the uh, the Tampa Bay Rays, they strike again. They know when to trade away Blake Snell. But I don't know. You, you cannot start. I want this number. I want this start percentage to be below 10% by next week because Blake Snell should not be in anybody's lineup. I don't care if he has two starts. He could be facing the, the, the Orioles and the Marlins. Should not be starting him. What is up with Trevor's story? He just had his best game since coming off the IL. He went two for three with two doubles, two RBI, two walks, and two steals. A lot of twos and three runs. So I thought I would throw that in there for you. But oddly enough, Scott, Trevor's story only has one home run since May 4th, uh, but does have 11 stolen bases on the season. So that's good to see. I noticed his BABIP is way below his career mark. It's 311 this year. Hard hit rate. You know, this might factor into it, but 35%, that's been 43% for his career. Uh, and yeah. his home run to fly ball ratio is only 8%. That's 18% for his career. So I wonder if, I've been making this excuse for him that early in the season, they were playing through like snow and stuff and really cold weather in Colorado, but we're way past that now. So are you actually worried about Trevor's story? I, I, I'm really not. I, ha- I have moved him behind like... Uh... Uh, Xander Bogarts and, and Bo Bichette in my shortstop rankings just because they're playing so well it's hard to justify keeping story ahead but I don't see any red flags here I mean you, you point to the hard hit rate being down that's kind of a chicken or chicken and egg thing though as far as I'm concerned like if you're not getting as good results as you're used to of course your hard hit rate's going to be down but there will come a point where you start hitting the ball harder and it'll go up um, is my thinking there uh, as you turn your season around. So I, I expect him to. I, I think he's still the same Trevor story as always. And it's going to be a red-hot summer. A summer for the for the story books. <laughs> I, was wondering, <laughs> I was wondering where you were going with that. It was probably, probably a better way to, to work his name in. But that's fine. He's the never-ending story. He will never end. You're Whoa. right. Actually, forever. his career in Colorado might end pretty soon, actually, because he uh, has said basically openly that he does not plan to re-sign in Colorado. So maybe he's traded away. I saw some rumors about Oakland. Obviously, there's a bunch of teams that can use Trevor Story. People have brought up the Yankees. I don't really see that. but Yeah, the, that's a good point. Other thing that I... I wonder if that's weighing on him. That's, you know, look, these guys are human and he's worried about where he's going to be playing next. It's probably something that's playing in. Uh, he also on the season has an 811, 817 OPS at, at Coors Field. For his career, that's 978. So he has underperformed in Colorado so far this season. Overall, if you go buy low on Trevor Story, I think it's something that you should look into doing. Some names in deeper leagues. Abraham Almonte went two for three with an RBI, a run, and a walk. He's betting 297 across his first 15 games here with the Braves. Chaz McCormick now has multiple hits in three of his last four games. He had a double dong on Wednesday. Dan Vogelbach, who we've talked about quite a bit recently, went two for four with a double and a run scored. He's batting 273 with four home runs in the month of June. Akil Badu. I just wanted to point out his last 22 games, he's batting 333, only one homer, 
but with five steals, 24% strikeout rate, and a 19% walk rate. So the plate discipline is much improved for Akil Badu. He's not playing every day, but I think throw him on the scout team. Let's see if this goes anywhere for Akil Badu. Uh, John Birdie has 12 hits over his last 10 games. He started each of those. He's 8% rostered. He's probably going to start running soon, I would imagine. So if you need steals in a deeper categories league. And then Willie Castro, two for five with his sixth home run on Wednesday. And in June, he's batting 261, three homers and a steal, 40% rostered. He's got second base and shortstop eligibility. So, Scott, anything that you would like to add on Almonte, Chaz McCormick? I'm going to skip Vogelbach because we talked about him a lot. Akil Badu, John Birdie, and Willie Castro in deeper leagues. Uh, I, I don't really see much to like about Chaz McCormick. He doesn't play that regularly. I know the home run rate's been good. The fly ball rate's been really high, but he also strikes out a ton. Uh, he just doesn't play enough. Abraham Almonte has been, just like he was at AAA, surprisingly productive so far. I'm highly skeptical it'll continue. Getting on base a lot, extra base hits, and that was something he was showing at AAA as well. Clearly, let the left field job is all his for the foreseeable future, probably until they trade for somebody. Which maybe they won't. I mean, they're still under five hundred. I don't know if I don't know if the Braves are going to get back in the race. So um, they may they may just ride it out with Almonte and still a deeper league pickup right now, but worth worth putting on the scout team. I have picked him up and started him in a fifteen team league with five outfielders this week. It's really desperate and. So far, he's playing pretty well. So, again, the name there, Abraham Almonte. Some studs hitter edition from Wednesday. Fernando Tatis is enjoying Coors Field. He has homered in back-to-back games. He actually has a home run in four of his last five games. Shohei Otani went two for four with a sock and a shoe. That's now 19 home runs and 10 steals on the season. His 150-game pace, please stay healthy, Otani. 45 home runs. 23 steals, 104 runs scored, 111 RBI. Ridiculous. Whit Merrifield has seven hits over his last three games. He gets that batting average up over 270. Trent Grisham went two for four with his eighth home run and three RBI. He's batting 289 with an 890 OPS. Grisham, as long as he's been healthy, has been really, really good for the San Diego Padres. And this home run actually came off a lefty, so I'd like to see that from Trent Grisham. Jose Ramirez went two for five with his... 15th homer, and Freddie Freeman, this can't be right. I wrote two for three with his 11th home run of the season. He has to have more than 11 home runs, yes. right? I think I this, think that was number 15. Yeah, it was either 15 or 16. It was 16. You know who I was looking at? Dansby Swanson, who hit his 11th home run of the season. Let's wrap up here, Scott, with the call to the pen for the Tigers. Michael Fulmer allowed two earned runs, but picked up his fifth save of the season. Gregory Soto got the save for... The Tigers on Tuesday night. So, again, this is the Detroit Tigers bullpen is a mess. Cleveland, James Karinchak pitched in the eighth with a one run lead. He was facing the top of the lineup. Emmanuel Class A was used in the ninth and he picked up his 11th save. I'm pretty confident saying right now, Scott, that. Yeah, they flip back. Yeah, they're going to go to Class A. No, no, they, the, they have flipped back. Yeah. Yeah. So, Class is that A. Is what you were saying? Yeah, Class A is the guy for now, basically. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Karinchak. Looked like he had claimed the role from Class A, but then he he fumbled it away. So it, it's appeared basically all of June, like Class A's back in the closer role with Karen Shack setting up. Maybe they're just going to flip-flop. Like 
by months. Every month. So yeah, Karen Chack <laughs> will be the closer in July. Class A will get it back in August, so on and so forth. Uh, for Tampa Bay with the game tied, JP Fireison pitched in the eighth inning. Diego Castillo was used in the ninth. And then Pete Fairbanks took the loss in the 10th. For the Reds, Lucas Sims was awesome. He recorded the final four outs all via the strikeout and picked up his seventh save. He's still only 48% rostered is Lucas Sims. So I think even in points leagues, you know, if you if you don't want to roll with these crappy sparps like Cole Irvin, you can actually uh, pick up pick up Lucas Sims. Yeah, I got a lot of faith in Sims now. I actually uh, TJ Anton is supposed to return from the IL this weekend, I think I saw from his forearm issue. Okay. But that actually bolsters Sims claim to the closer role because I, I read the reason he worked the sixth inning randomly that one time during the stretch is because Anton wasn't available. It would, it would have normally been a situation where they used Anton, they didn't have him, so they went to Sims instead. And, and that was the one interruption to this stretch where he's gotten six of these seven saves, I believe, in like his past eight or nine appearances or something like that. All right. So in any categories leagues, please go out and get Lucas Sims. A few others here. Brad Hand got his 13th save. Our oldest Chapman got his 14th save. He actually allowed the first two runners to uh, first two batters to reach in the ninth. They were on second and third, and he worked out of it in a one-run game. So quite the Houdini act there for our oldest Chapman. And then for the Mets, Edwin Diaz got his 14th save of the season. To stream or not to stream, Scott. And I am doing this on the fly because I didn't have enough time to write them in. So let's do it. This is going to be fun. <laughs> for Thursday, let's see what we got. Matt Manning at the Angels. Justin Dunn versus the Tampa Bay Rays. Wade Miley at the Padres. Who else do we have here? John Gant at the Braves. Could never forget John Gant. Elijah, who is this? Elijah Morgan, I think, is starting for Cleveland. He's going up against Baltimore. Baltimore's actually been a little bit better in the month of June. Uh, And then Michael King at the Blue Jays. So not really much has changed since yesterday. No, no. Wade Miley at San Diego was the only one only what I could bring myself to recommend on any level. I wonder if Rich Hill's roster rate has dropped because of his recent struggles. And he is still 90% rostered, so he is not eligible as a streamer. Yes, Wade Miley is the only one that we'll go with. And then let's take a look at Friday. What do we have here? Uh, Tony Santian at the Padres. Vince Velasquez at the Giants. Alex Cobb versus the Tigers. Good matchup. Bad pitcher. Um, uh, who else do we have here? Nick Pavetta at the Royals. He probably doesn't qualify. He's probably rostered in too many leagues. Carlos Martinez at the Braves. No, thank you. Man, this is so bad. JC Mejia. See what I'm saying? It's, it's tough to find good pitchers under that roster threshold. Gosh, so it bad. might be easier on other sides. I don't know. Yeah. JC Mejia at the Pirates. Chad Cool is opposing him against Cleveland. Joey Lucchese at the Nationals. James Caprillion at the Yankees. I actually don't hate that one. No. You know, he just, he's been walking too many, but revenge game. Yankees strike out quite a bit. So, mm-hmm. I don't know if there was anyone, anyone else there, Scott, that caught I mean, Giancarlo Mejia against the Pirates, I could, I, I don't think he's gone five innings yet, but he's been pretty effective. He had one ugly start. Which you know, you, it's obviously a good matchup. I, I don't actually want to do it. I never want to do any of these. Bad pitchers are dropping like flies, Scott. People are trying to stream their way to victory. Uh, Alex Cobb versus the Tigers. Would you do it or it's, it's just too bad? No. 
All right, we're going to wrap there. For Scott and Frank, thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.